Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Today marks the 44th anniversary of the tragic plane crash that killed band members of Leonard Skinner, including frontman Ronnie Van Zant. I spoke with one of Skinner's two Hall of Fame drummers, Artemis Pyle, about his experience on that fatal flight and the legacy of the band's music from Sweet Home Alabama to Simple Man to Freebird. Artemis Pyle, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Hey, Jason. How are you today? I'm doing well. Um, we're speaking today. Um, you know, I'm ex- so excited to talk to you about, you know, Leonard Skinner, my dad's favorite band, one of my favorite bands. You are the drummer. Um, but it, it's also bittersweet because we're here talking because it's, a you know, a, a, the today is the anniversary, the 44th um, anniversary, I believe, of that tragic plane crash that, you know, killed so many members of the band. And uh, you were on that plane. And I know um, it's, it's being... Uh, chronicled in a new film called Street Survivors, the true story of the Leonard Skinner plane crash. Uh, tell me about um, why you agreed to participate in the movie. It must be hard memories, uh, very, very tough time. But, um, you know, just um, why should we check out the movie? Well, I was approached, you know, by Cleopatra Films um, to make the film. And... Um, I just thought it was time for the Skinner fans to, you know, know what happened to us on that fateful day and that fateful evening. Um, I'm not getting any younger and I don't think Skinner fans are getting any younger. So it was time to tell that story. Well, tell us, um, I know we don't want to, give away the movie or anything want people to go see the movie but share if you can um and again i know there's probably a whole load of just ptsd associated with it so i want to handle this with care but if you can paint us a picture of where you were what you you know the show you had just performed maybe the last time you saw saw your buddies and uh just just try to describe however you want if you don't want to go into it that's totally fine but you know describe share with whatever you can remember of those last sort of moments with, with your friends well, you know, I think about this every single day. Um, so, you know, it's it's not something that I can put out of my mind. Um, it's always there. I always think about it. Um, we played in Greenville, South Carolina, our last show, the last time that Ronnie Van Zant ever sang Freebird. Uh, was in Greenville and uh, you know then we were headed to Baton Rouge Louisiana Um, we were on a 95 city world tour Uh, we were going to do our uh, United States leg of the tour 
using our airplane um, that we had our name on it. And then we were going to, you know, go to Australia, Japan, Europe. Um, we'd been to Japan and Europe, but we were going to Australia for the first time. So we had an extensive 95 city world tour and we were only five shows into it when we played in Greenville. And, um, you know, we ran out of gas. I mean, it's pretty much as simple as that. The pilots uh, made a fatal mistake and, um, they were good guys. I knew them, but, uh, they made a, very bad mistake by not checking uh, the tank on the plane. You know, it's a 1947 Convair, so you can't really trust the gauges on an older aircraft like that. And uh, most pilots understand that you're supposed to take a wooden stick and you drop it down into the tank to visually see how much fuel you have. And uh, they did not do that. And we were only, you know, about 60 miles away from uh, Louisiana there in, in Baton Rouge, where our next show was. So we we almost made it, but we ran out of fuel um, at about 9,000 feet uh, on our final approach. Um, you know, we took on 400 gallons of fuel in Greenville, South Carolina. I did my research on that after the crash to, you know, basically uh, get get down to Louisiana. But we were just uh, 60 miles short when we ran out of fuel. Plus, the engine was not running properly, and it was using more fuel um, than necessary. So we had a lot of things against us, you know, uh, going into that. Man, oh man, 60 miles. That's it's wow. And history would be forever. Music history forever changed, not to mention so many lives. Um, so when the crash happens, I mean, you probably think this is it for you. And then so just I'm sure when do you remember regaining consciousness? Are you do you wake up in a hospital and then they just tell you that, you know, your your friends have have passed, or what was the experience for on your end? Well, I've never been knocked out. I've never, uh, I've been in a lot of crashes, car wrecks, motorcycle wrecks, different things. And I, I've never been knocked unconscious. Um, so I was fully aware of every single second mm. that went down. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that we were crashing, but you know, my life did not flash before my eyes. All I was doing was trying to uh, assess, you know, what do I need to do? Because I'm a, I'm a Marine. Um, I was a Marine sergeant. Once a Marine, always a Marine. So my Marine Corps training kicked in. And um, I just started thinking of what can I do? You know, my, my life didn't flash before me. I am a pilot. Uh, so I kept going back and forth to the cockpit to relay information to the cabin. And I kind of played stewardess, you know, where I went around and told everybody to put out their cigarettes 
um, turn off any lights and conserve any kind of fuel that we had, any kind of energy that we had aboard the plane. We wanted to conserve that and uh, told everybody to fasten their seatbelts. Um, so I knew what was happening. We all knew what was happening. Um, there was a, a certain amount of calm aboard uh, the plane. There was a couple of incidents where um, a band member got really mad um, at the pilot and co-pilot for, you know, letting this happen. Mm -hmm. um, so there was there was a little bit of yelling uh, going on, but you know, we everybody pretty much remained calm, and we realized that you know we just needed to hang on because it was going to be rough, and it was. So that's what the movie is about. Cleopatra Films approached me, you know, Brian Pereira and Tim Yasui. And uh, I believe they had brought on board um, Jared Cohn, the uh, director, who did a, a great job. Um, so they came, you know, they met me in Nashville and asked me if I, at first, I thought they just wanted my band to write music for some kind of a movie that was coming out. Then I realized that they actually wanted to do the story of the plane crash. And I had to tell the story from my point of view, because there were so many lawsuits. Um, Judy Van Zant had $1,000 an hour blood-sucking weasel attorneys from New York City. And uh, they were coming after me with you know, both, both barrels, uh, calling me every name in the book saying that I didn't have a right to tell my own story. Um, so the entire time that we did the movie, we had these lawyers, uh, basically just trying to destroy everything that was happening. Um, Judy is a very litigious human being. She will sue her own mother. And so would these attorneys. So we had to focus the movie just on my recollection and my participation in, in the crash. And uh, I was, you know, completely conscious. So I remember everything. Um, so doing a movie is hard anyway. But when you're being sued and called names and, uh, you know, drugged before uh, judges and lawyers, um, it, it makes it even more difficult. But I'm just going to cut to the chase. Um, three judges in the Court of Appeals system voted against Judy and for Cleopatra and myself that we were able to do the movie. So bottom line is she lost, we won, the movie's finished. And we're very proud of the effort um, made by Cleopatra, all of the ac actors and actresses, uh, the, the film crew, the, uh, uh, a guy named Christopher that did um, music, you know, background music, kind of Game of, Game of Thrones type of background music. And then my sons um, and I and my band and my friends uh, wrote the soundtrack to the movie 
because we realized if we used any scattered music that Judy and all these assholes would come after us again. So we, I was kind of glad that we could write our own soundtrack. And I'm, I'm very proud of the soundtrack and the movie. Um, it's, it's incredible music uh, written by my sons, my band, and my friends. And so I, I'm kind of glad that we didn't use any Skinner material because, you know, Skinner material has been used in multiple movies. And all they had to do was buy the licensing and then use it in the film. Um, but we couldn't do that. So we wrote our own soundtrack and I'm very proud of the music, uh, that came out of it. It's, it, it, it's an award-winning soundtrack in my estimation. Uh, the movie and the soundtrack has been out for, you know, over a year. We released it right during COVID. And that's another thing, you know, releasing a movie is, is hard under any circumstances, but releasing it during COVID, um, added, you know, a certain degree of difficulty uh, to the whole process. But we got it done. It's out there. We had a budget of $1,800,000. And Judy Van Zant spent $2.5 million on legal fees. And I asked Judy and Gary to come to the table and let's make the movie together. And uh, instead, they sent their lawyers after me. So I had to focus the movie from my point of view. Um, and we did use one song, which most people think is a Leonard Skinner song because Ronnie kind of made it famous and the band, you know, made it famous. And that's uh, Call Me the Breeze. Mm -hmm. But the reason that we could use that song is because it's not by Leonard Skinner or Ronnie. It's by J.J. Cale. And we were able to pay the licensing fee and use it for a live shot in the movie. So whatever difficulties and hurdles that we had to come, you know, over, uh, we were able to do it. And uh, I'm proud of everybody that was involved in this. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a very harrowing movie and um, not just, you know, a lot of people might think it's like a documentary, but it sounds like you cast it and, and the whole, whole nine yards. So I mean, it's, it's going to be powerful. Oh, it's a, yes, Jason, it, it's a live action film. There's a lot of documentaries about our band, about Leonard Skinner. Mm -hmm. um, and there's some good ones. There's some award-winning documentaries. One is called if I leave here tomorrow. Um, it was done yeah, I think it's playing, it's trending on Netflix and um, it, it got great reviews and it's, it's a documentary. I thought that Gary spoke well. I thought that even Judy Van Zant spoke well. Uh, it was put together, you know, uh, professionally, but it was a documentary and this is a live action film. So um, we're very proud of it in spite of the fact that we didn't have a lot of money to make the film, I mean, a million eight hundred thousand dollars, that's a lot of money to anybody, uh, definitely to me. But to do a whole film, uh, if we would have had the money that Judy spent on attorneys, we would have been able to, you know, do some locations shooting and and other things. Everything was shot in in California. Um so you know, we did the best we could under the circumstances 
And as I say, I can't say it enough. I'm proud of my sons, my friends, my band, uh, Cleopatra, all of the young actors and actresses that played portrayed us in the movie. Because, you know, Jason, they're making a, a film and putting their hearts and souls into their roles and, you know, knowing full well that the movie may never be seen. It could have been shelved and never seen had Judy won um, in the court system. But she was wrong, um, totally. And so she lost. And, and the movie is out there for all to see. And uh, we couldn't be happier about it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure fans of Leonard Skinner are, are going to, you know, run, not walk to see this. They're they're It's going to they're going to be excited to see this movie. Um, we, we should mention before we get to any farther in, you know, mention the names of everyone that was lost that day, 44 years ago to this day. Uh, Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, uh, backup singer Cassie Gaines, who is Steve's you know older sister, uh, assistant road manager Dean Kilpatrick. And, and as you mentioned, the pilot, Walter McCreary and co-pilot William Gray, all killed on impact. Um, many, uh, several other band members, including yourself and the tour manager and some road crew members, um, survive serious injuries, obviously. Um, and I'm sure, I assume the movie shows you were, I know you don't want to call yourself a hero when you lost so many of your buddies that day, but, um, didn't you, is it, does the movie show, didn't, didn't you help pull some people from the, from the crash? Oh, well, you're right, Jason. I, I've never, you know. I've never called myself, you know, um, a hero. Um, but um, Gary Rossington did, and and you know, for years on um, television and radio and newspaper newsprint. Um, Gary referred to me as the band's hero, um, not my words, but I, as a Marine, I did what I had to do. Um, and that I knew that all I could do was go get help. My, my friends needed help and I had to go get that help. Um, I did help a couple of people out of the plane that's in the movie um, and did everything I could, a little bit of triage, um, emergency triage before I left the crash scene. Um, but I, I soon realized that the only thing that was going to help my friends was help. And when I walked out of that swamp and that forest to go get help, I did it for every single person on that plane. Um, you know, and that included our, our crew, our pilots, and, and of course the band. Um, so, you know, my intention was to get help back to everybody. And I went to the farmhouse and I came back, um, you know, and yes, I was upset. I was scared. Uh, you know, my friends were dead before my eyes and, uh, that's never a good feeling, uh, but I was able to put one foot in front of the other, even with my injuries, and uh, get to the farmhouse and then bring help back. 
to the crash site. And, you know, I think about them, the the people that uh, perished, I think about them every single day. Um, our pilot and co-pilot, I found them uh, and before I left the crash site, and they were both definitely dead. Um, and then, of course, the, the four members of our organization, Dean Kilpatrick, who was an amazing guy, um, and Cassie Gaines, she sat in front of me, and she perished, and I, I'm still here, so it's it's up to me to talk about her and tell the world what a great person that Cassie was. Um, she had a degree in physical education. Uh, she sang in uh, on Broadway and in, in Hair, the, the musical Hair. Um, she was an amazing person and just lovely human being. And she's the one that told us about her brother, Steve. And um, they were amazing, you know, an amazing family. But when I've said this before, that when you leave, lose somebody like Ronnie Van Zant, you know, who was the lead singer and the visionary for the band and the writer, uh, the prolific writer of the group, and Steve Gaines, who came in and wrote with Ronnie, and sang with Ronnie. Ronnie loved it that Steve and he uh, were singing together on stage, which uh, is a song called You Got That Right. Great song. And then it always amazed me when we would play in front of 200,000 people that Ronnie would actually leave the stage and, you know, towel off and maybe have a smoke and, uh, you know, a glass of water or or a glass of scotch, who knows? Um, but he would actually walk off stage and let Steve Gaines sing um, Ain't No Good Life, which Steve wrote. And I thought the confidence that Ronnie had in, in himself, as well as Steve, to let Steve front the band that he worked so hard to put together, it just showed me the confidence that Ronnie had in himself, himself and Steve. And that was an amazing thing to witness. So, you know, I, I think about them all the time. And of course, the pilots, Walter McCreary and John Gray, uh, they were friends. And uh, I found them. And as I say, I knew that they, they were gone. There was nothing I could do. And uh, so I, when I found, after I found the pilots, uh, toward where the front of the plane used to be, I realized the only thing that was going to help everybody was help. So I started putting one foot in front of the other and doing my United States Marine Corps Gomer Pyle thing. <laughs> and uh, uh, when I went through boot camp and everybody, the DIs would see my name, Pyle, they would, of course, make me say everything that Gomer said on, on the TV show, uh, including Shazam. So, uh, but, you know, I, I think about it every day, um, for years, I was very sad. And then I decided that after 40 years of being sad, um, I'm going to be happy. Uh, not that I celebrate the plane crash, but, but now instead of like, just thinking about you know, the, the bad side of the plane crash and losing all of my friends and the world lost Ronnie, 
I mean, we lost Elvis in August, and then we lost Ronnie in October. Uh, so, you know, the musical world took a hit there uh, between August and October. Um, and I just think about the good times. I think about the incredible music that we played all over the world for millions of people. So I've decided, you know, I'm going to be reverent and I'm going to be somber, but I'm, I'm, you know, I've been sad for over 40 years and now I'm going to be, you know, uh, happy uh, about the music and the fact that I still play that music with my band all over the country. Uh, we were in Minnesota a few days ago and Iowa, we played out there. And my band plays Leonard Skinner music better than any band in the world. So when we go take this music into the smaller venues around the country, um, you know, the people are so happy to hear the music played properly with respect, honor, and accuracy. Um, and I hear the stories of where they were when we crashed. Um and what the music means to them. So, you know, I, I just celebrate the power of the music to raise money for cancer and children and uh, police departments and fire departments. You know, the music is very powerful and, and we do benefits all the time. Uh, for example, this month, the 24th of October, we're, uh, our band is joining Dolly Parton in Nashville, Tennessee uh, at the Country Music Hall of Fame to raise money for breast cancer awareness. So, you know, the, the music is, is used pa very powerfully to raise money for the right, the right reasons. And, you know, we've done a few shows with Dolly now. I feel like uh, Dolly and I are friends. We might even be related. We're from the same area in uh, Tennessee. And she is the most amazing human being on this planet. She is a humanitarian singer, songwriter, movie star, uh, you know, performer. She's just amazing. And to be able to play with Dolly, you know, and I don't care how good we are and we're good, but if you open up for Dolly, uh, you know, it's Dolly's show. And um, so, you know, there's, there's so much joy in the music, all of the prolific songs that Ronnie wrote about life and love and, and, um, and, and we all live, you know, we all die. It's how you live your life. And Ronnie Van Zant uh, lived his life to the fullest, even though it wasn't as long as, of course, you know, we all wanted him to, to be around because he and Steve would have, you know, written many, many more songs. Uh, and that's what we think about, you know, that's where a little bit of the sadness might come thinking about the potential of what Steve Gaines and the rest of the band uh, and Ronnie, uh, the music that would have, would have come out. Um, but you know, you you understand that, Jason. I'm I'm sure. Oh yeah, I mean that. Such a great point that all the music that that was lost, and then but on the flip side, you know how you're saying you're trying to look for the positives after all 40 years being sad. 
the positive of just how much amazing music they were able to fit in in that what that first album was what seven 1973 so what we had like four years five years before the plane crash and but think of so how many hits i mean that's almost unrivaled for a band to crank out that many famous songs that live on and on in such a short window um if you have time to stick around i'd love to go through some of that i mean i know you joined the band in um you know like the mid 70s um and, but i'm sure you heard the story of when they founded as a different name it's like my backyard or something like in 64 with ronnie van sant and gary and alan and larry and bob the original drummer bob burns um remind our listeners how they came up with that band name it's a famous story that's been told many times but may, but maybe for our younger listeners about how how it was sort of a it was sort of a jab back at, at a gym teacher that said they'd never make it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was friends with Coach Skinner. His name was Leonard Skinner. Um, and, of course, the guys changed the name and the, the pronunciation, but, it, you know, Leonard Skinner. Uh, but Coach Skinner, um, he became friends with, with everybody, but he used to kick the guys before, you know, I was in the Marines. And... I'm, I was kind of older than most of the guys. Ronnie was the oldest. Um, he was um, a few months older than I, uh, but we were closer in age than the rest of the band. And um, yeah, their, their football coach was coach Leonard Skinner. And it was that, that coach and um, a song, uh, hello, mother, hello, father. Here I am at camp Granada. Um, there's a line in there that actually says uh, Leonard Skinner. And, and Bob Burns tells that story uh, really well. But, of course, we lost Bob uh, about four years ago, or maybe going on five. Um, he was 64 years old, and he was killed in a car wreck. And you see, Bob had joined my band which, you know, is uh, Jerry Lida, Scott Raines, Brad Durden, and, um, of course, Dave Fowler, our bass player. He's the one that introduced me to Dolly Parton, so I will be ever indebted to <laughs> to uh, Dave Fowler. He lives up in Nashville. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the bottom line... Uh, is that they use that name kind of as a joke and kind of to to get back at him for kicking him out of school for long hair and then you know everybody ended up friends with coach skinner um and bob burns was in my band we i took him on a cruise that we do every year to raise money for the um Native American Heritage Association, they call it Naha, and we go out on the Rock Legends cruise every year to raise money for food and and clothing and everything for our Native American friends up up north. Um, and Bob uh, went on that cruise, and I had production set up two matching sets of drums, and I knew exactly what Bob wanted. And uh, we set them up and then Bob and I played three or four songs together. Um, and I saw people crying. 
uh, tears were coming up in people's eyes, you know, because Bob and I playing together uh, like that. And um, Bob and I were very close. We talked almost every day. And, um, you know, my band went over and sang Tuesday's Gone uh, at Bob's funeral. They sang it uh, uh, acoustically and um, did a beautiful job. And, you know, the whole band, my guys were tickled to death to have the two real drummers of Leonard Skinner, both of us inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the same time. Uh, that was, you know, an amazing night when we were inducted with Black Sabbath, Blondie, the Sex Pistols, and Miles Davis. Mm, what a you know, lineup. I'm a jazz freak. I, what a lineup. Yeah, I got to hang out with Herbie Hancock, you know, one of my heroes, and I, I'm a jazz freak. And uh, Herbie said to me, uh, Artemis, that song Freebird, that's kind of wild, man. <laughs> you know, and he watched us do that. But of course, a jazz cat has never probably seen us do Freebird. And uh, it is a it is a wild, chaotic melee of a song. <laughs> and um, but I was very proud of that. And uh, Bob, you know, was was in our band and he would come out and play a few songs with us and the crowd loved it. But then we lost Bob on a dark, stormy night north of Atlanta um, out in the woods. Uh, Bob missed a, a curve and went into the woods and hit a tree and was killed instantly. And, um, I loved Bob. I miss him. And, you know, he, he, he really loved, uh, our band, the way they played the songs. Um, and two of my guitar players, you know, uh, Jerry Lida and, um, Scott Rains actually were able to go to Nashville on several occasions and sit with Ed King, uh, all day at Ed's house and Ed showed them the exact way to play uh, those songs. So, you know, they will remember that for the rest of their lives, but, you know, because we lost Ed uh, a while back, he had a, you know, a heart transplant and he had a little bit of the, the cancer. Uh, the guy didn't have a chance, but you know, he was 68 years old and he did pretty good under the circumstances. And he was gracious enough to work with my guitar players um, and make the music right. And, you know, that that's something that, that we're very, uh, uh, we consider ourselves very fortunate to have, you know, Ed's expertise. And now when we play those songs, uh, Jerry and Scott, I mean, they nail it. And, you know, people, people can tell that we've done our homework. So, you know, um, as I told you earlier in the interview, I, I think about everybody every day and, um, you know, there's only Gary Rossington and I left from the band and, um, I love Gary and I, I miss him. But um, their management company and the wives kind of keep Gary and I separated. That way there's more money for them to steal. And um, I'm, I miss Gary. I, I'd love to talk to him. But they keep us separated so that they can control Gary and, uh, and control the money. And they steal a lot of money. 
Uh, Gary is not even on the road now. He's had seven heart attacks in the last seven years, uh, heart procedures. And he left the band. Uh, you know, COVID actually gave him a, a rest. But when they went back to playing, you know, they ran him into the ground again. Now he's not even on the road. Uh, they've, you know, so there's nobody in that band that they call Leonard Skinner from Leonard Skinner, uh, you know, that was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's what I go by. And um, so they're still out there, you know, um, shaking down the fans, uh, getting those those big bucks, you know, for a band that doesn't even have anybody from Leonard Skinner. So Judy signed off on that, you know. Um, she just... She she doesn't care who's in the band as long as she makes a big bag of money. And uh, I'm only telling the truth. You know, I'm only saying the truth. This isn't sour grapes or anything like that. I left the band. Um, it was I, I wasn't fired. I didn't, you know, quit uh, just because I wanted to quit. I left the band because there was too much uh, funny business with the books uh, the lawyers, the managers, I didn't like them. I didn't agree with them. And there was a lot of drugs and alcohol. And I was the drummer of the real Leonard Skinner. I didn't want to be out there on something that was less. So, you know, I have my band that I'm very proud of. And we play the music. And uh, we play the smaller venues. Gary's band, of course, they get the big dollars. They've got the tour buses, the production. And, you know, they, they go into the big places, but I, I'm kind of proud of my band because we take Leonard Skinner into smaller places. And I hear the stories, the, the, you know, very heartfelt stories from the fans of Leonard Skinner, where they were when the plane crashed and what the songs mean to them. A lot of bikers tell me that they bury their friends to, uh, to Freebird. So it is amazing as, you know, as the drummer of Leonard Skinner, it is amazing after all these years that these songs are still as strong as they are. Um, you know, when we open up for any of the Southern rock bands, including Charlie Daniels, um, you know, we lost Charlie last year. Um, he was an amazing person. And it, it doesn't matter who we play with, the power of the music is such that, you know, a lot of bands don't want us to open up for them because, you know, the people fist bump every single song and sing every word of every song because Ronnie didn't write just hit songs. He wrote hit albums. So to be the drummer of this band and go all over the world playing this music that everybody remembers, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's something that I, I, I cherish and uh, you know, to be able to do interviews like this and talk about how great the music is and the band um, you know, it's, it's my duty to sign autographs and because everybody that's not here, all my friends in the band, they would. So that's why I sit for hours and sign stuff until the last person is taken care of. Now, COVID has, has you know, diminished that uh, somewhat because we don't do as many meet and greets 
Um, but I've had all of my shots, you know, and I'm going to get my booster and I feel comfortable, um, being around, you know, uh, people, although we don't do the meet and greets, you know, as much as, as we used to, and we'll get back to it, you know, we'll, we'll get back to it. Um, but for now, we just want to be safe. We want everybody to, you know, get their vaccines and feel safe and go back to school and go back to work. Because think about it, you know, vaccines have, there's a long, long list, you know, polio, rubella, mumps, measles, you know, that vaccines have brought under control all these years. And, um, people that don't want to get their vaccines, I would, I would simply say to them, you know, a lot of very smart people have put long hours into figuring out how to make these vaccines work and to make it totally work. We all need to, to get on board. I know there are some exceptions and some people that have a, a good reason for not wanting to get the vaccine. But if we, you know, if most of us do it, we're going to get the herd immunity and, and get this thing uh, put behind us. Like we have, you know, uh, polio and other things. And I would only say to people that don't want to get the vaccine because, you know, because they don't want the government telling them what to do. Well, when I go down the road and I see a red light, I stop at that red light because the government is telling me if I run that red light, I could kill myself or other people, you know, so I stop at all the red lights. Uh, that, of course, that's just me. And um, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to, you know, to say to all my friends, um, you know, protect yourself. And uh, this is not a political thing. This is just something uh, that, that everybody needs to do so that we can, you know, so people can stop dying because, there's what what have we lost uh, approaching 700,000 people um that lost their lives due to covid and um that's just the united states it's it's very tragic and and for us to you know get up and running and go back out there and play music you know um music is very important in everybody's life it's the language of the universe but it's music. It's just music. So for that whole year that all the bands were pretty much shut down, uh, some bands found a way to get around some things and do drive-in movie theater uh, concerts where everybody stayed in their cars. It was pretty amazing to see how people, you know, um, what, what people would do to be able to continue to play the music. But there was a over a year there where, you know, most bands uh, were shut down. And so, but there were many more things that were more important. Um, I, I love music and music is extremely important to the world, but it's, it's music. And there were, there were many things that were more important than that. Um, you know, and, and starting with our children and protecting the children. So, you know, we're, we're coming out of it and things in spite of the people that are trying to scare everybody and, and, and what have you, um, we're coming out of it 
and we're going to get through this because um, human beings are resilient and, uh, you know, we live on one planet. We're all one family on this planet. It's not just, you know, you're from Kentucky or the United States or someplace in the world. We're all one planet. And, um, you know, I'm going to play drums till I'm 100 years old, and then I'm going to switch to stand-up comedy. <laughs> well, that's a good first joke right there. No, I, I appreciate I appreciate everything you're saying about um, the current state of where we are right now. And yeah, you know, without making it totally political, um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it just boils down to, you know, people need to stop thinking about what they want to do and the things they miss going and doing and start thinking about other people. We're all in this together. So whatever we can do to all get through, get over this thing as fast as we can. I think, you know, if we can pull together as if it was like a wartime effort or something like, like this country used to do, it'd be, we could be, this thing could be behind us already, but anyway, well, you're exactly, you nailed, you nailed it, man. And, and it is a war. It is, it is a war. Absolutely. Yep. Small price to pay to, to, to get through this um well anyway th thanks for joining us um before we run when whenever i have someone i'd like to end on a positive note before when i have someone of your stature with so many hit songs um to your credit i mean you played on some of these i mean just all timers i'd love to rapid fire chronologically through some of them and just i'll throw out a title and just say i don't know either a memory of playing it or why you think that song works so well so like i know the first album give me three steps was the big hit off of that um why do you think that works so well? Because you can you can just visualize being in that bar as he's it's that visual storytelling. You can see that whole confrontation happening. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Ronnie uh, wrote about things that that happened. Um, you know, he was prolific in, in that way. Um, so the 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 storyline of "Give Me Three Steps" that really happened. Um, you know, at, at a, at a little bar, but, you know, of course that was Bob Burns. Um, I was still in the Marines. Uh, and that was, that was Bob Burns on that cut. And I thought that Bob with Al Cooper, the producer, Al Cooper, I thought that, that Bob did an amazing job. He got a, Al Cooper got him a great drum sound. It was nice, warm and fuzzy, uh, drum sound. And, um, you know, as I say, I, I love Bob and I thought he did an amazing job um, under under the circumstances. And there was a lot of circumstances, you know, but he uh, he played on Give Me Three Steps. When I play these songs every night, every every single song, I'm thinking of members of the band. I'm thinking of the situations I'm thinking, you know, as I go through them and, uh, you, you know, the memories uh, come back. At the same time, I'm doing something very physical, you know, um, and it's I'm slamming on the drums. I'm I'm hitting those cymbals and those drums a lot of times with all my might, you know, because that's the way you're supposed to play these songs. Um, every single Leonard Skinner song is different. No two Skinner songs have the same drum part. Um, they, they all have the little nuances, uh, the dynamics. Uh, the speed uh, tempo, um, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking uh, while I'm playing to make sure that I execute everything right, but I'm so comfortable with the songs that I'm, I'm going down memory lane as well. 
And, uh, you know, Jason, sometimes, sometimes I'll find myself getting extremely emotional, you know, while I'm playing and, and tears will, will flow. Um, but I just keep on, you know, I keep on slamming. Um, and then there's, there's sometimes the joy is so amazing that, that I, I just, I laugh. I'm looking on, uh, I just, I just glanced at my television and William, William Shatner is, is as it just launched, just launched. And, and he's in the air and he's going into outer space. He's going to be at age 90, age 90. He's the oldest at 90 years old. That's fitting for Captain Kirk. A couple of years ago, man, I got to play on a Christmas album uh, with William Shatner. Wow. And, uh, you know, which never would have happened if it wouldn't have been for Ronnie Van Zandt. You know, you wouldn't know my name if it wasn't for Ronnie Van Zandt. But because of that and the fact that I played with Leonard Skinner and that's my band, uh, William Shatner uh, reached out his publisher, you know, publicist. And I played on Walking in a Winter Wonderland (laughs) on his Christmas album. And I kicked it, man. I, I threw some 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 licks in there and uh and then uh mr shatner uh texted back he was in las vegas at the time and they sent him the file to see what he thought about my performance on that song um because iggy pop was on it a whole bunch of different uh you know uh todd rundgren and he uh texted back i love it and uh you know i'm a i'm a horse horseman i i like to ride horses i was born in louisville kentucky raised in Tennessee. I've been on horseback my whole life. Uh, and William Shatner is also a horseman. And um, I, I told him to be sure and tell him that I rode as well. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the screen, man, and he is in that capsule on his way to space. You know, Captain Kirk, man, is in space. Beam so, him up, beaming anyway. up right now as we speak. He's, wow. beam, he's beaming up. That's but uh, yeah, Jason, I, I really thank you for the opportunity to to talk about my my band, my music, my friends, and uh, it's you know I, I feel like it, we're still relevant. I think Ronnie's songs are still relevant. Um, you know, Simple Man. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the thing on Jimmy Carter called Rock and Roll President? That documentary that came out like ago. last year or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a few months ago. And uh, at the end of it, it, they talked about how Jimmy Carter was friends with Marshall Tucker and the Allman Brothers and all the bands that, that supported Jimmy Carter. Uh, and we did a, ben- a benefit at the Gator Bowl uh, for Jimmy. And um, at the end of the piece, I, I heard Simple Man start coming up in the soundtrack and they switched to Bob Dylan. And Bob Dylan is sitting in this room and they're playing Simple Man in the background. And Bob uh, says, well, it's just like that song by that band Leonard Skinner. And he was referring to Ronnie, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, just, he said, just listen to the words that says it all. And when I heard Bob Dylan, you know, America's poet laureate, the great Bob Dylan quoting Ronnie Van Zant, 
um, and then playing Simple Man in the background, I literally got goosebumps and tears started coming at the same time. It made me cry just to hear Bob Dylan talking about, you know, Ronnie Van Zant. And it, it just made me realize, you know, this is this is one of the greatest songwriters of all time talking about another great songwriter. Um, you, know, you know why? It because didn't have a chance. He's right. That song does say every, I mean, literally, I mean, Dylan's right. And you're and Ronnie was right. You're right. I mean, forget your lust for the rich man's gold. All you need is in your soul. And, you know, be a simple man or, or be something you love and understand that. I mean, literally, you could play that song back and, and just if you make that your life mantra, you're going to have a have a good, happy life. It's a great song. Yeah. And I, I mean, can you imagine how I I felt when I when I saw that and I called everybody I knew, my children, you know, they're all grown. Um, and I, I called him. I said, man, did you see that on TV where Bob Dylan was quoting Ronnie Van Zant? You know, and they were playing Simple Man. And, I, um, you know, that's we're, we're allowed to play two songs when we play with Dolly up in Nashville on the 24th of this month for breast cancer awareness. And they were going to do Simple Man and Sweet Home Alabama. Wow. And um we the last time we played with Dolly, we played at the Ryman Auditorium there and we took the roof off that place because we did Sweet Home, um, Simple Man and Freebird. And, uh, you, you know, everybody in the place was on their feet, fist bumping. I don't think, you know, and Dolly was on the side of the stage smiling and she sent her backup singers out to sing Sweet Home Alabama with us. Uh, I mean, what a life. You know, it was it was incredible. Um, and that was also for uh, cancer awareness. But this is at the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame. And anybody that's going to be in Nashville, you know, get a ticket, uh, buy a ticket. It's a great cause. And um, come see us. Come see Dolly. Uh, we are so proud and so honored to, to be able to share the stage with her. Um, she's number one in my book. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate your time, Jason. Do, you know, I'm I'm available to you to answer any question that you have. Um, you've got my number. If you ever need to, if you ever think of a question you forgot to ask or something, just call me. Oh, I appreciate it. You've, you've stuck around for almost an hour. It, it, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate it. Do you mind just telling us uh, real quick? You mentioned Sweet Home Alabama. My listeners will will, you know, probably stone me if I don't ask you just about just that song i mean you joined the band i guess right shortly after that had just come out that and right yeah that and freebird had just come out right before you joined um but uh you know just i know that was sort of it sort of started as like a um you know a, a clap back at, at neil young sort of a, that, that rivalry sort of the original this this records back and forth but but it kind of became something more than just that it became like a anthem of 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 you know the south and uh just 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 a, a tune that makes everyone you know feel good when they listen to it now even though they kind of forget where it started but just talk about why you know why you think that song has echoed through i mean that might be i mean aside from freebird might be the most the band's most iconic song it is it's it's an iconic song and uh my interpretation may not be exactly what everybody's is um, but I think that Ronnie was saying to, to Neil Young, he loved Neil Young, by the way, you know, he wore Neil Young t-shirts. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So Ronnie didn't hate Neil Young by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he respected and, and honored Neil. But he was saying, in, in my opinion, he was saying to Neil Young, don't judge all Southern men by the ones that are racist. You know, a lot of us men in the South are not racist. I'm not. I love African-American people. I love Chinese American people. I love Mexican American people. I love gay people. You know, gay people are some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Um, you know, uh, but but they, and they they certainly have a hard road to hoe. Um, but what I what I feel that Ronnie was saying to Neil Young is just, you know, don't don't blame all uh, Southern men you know, on, on what a few, uh, well, quite a few, you know, uh, the, the racism, the systemic racism, you know, because Ronnie was like this and I'm the same way. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are too. If, if a person is a good person, then it doesn't matter what gender, what color of their skin or, or what their, you know, sexual preferences if you're a good person, you're a good person. And uh, certainly that uh, is the way I live my life. Well, that's great to hear. And thanks for sharing that perspective too, that, you know, that he and Neil, uh, you know, were actually friends because you know, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people try to draw that, uh, you know, a, a hard divide, divided line there, you know, like, oh, Leonard Skinner, and then you had Neil Young's and his song, Southern Man. And, the, you know, they try to divide, draw that line, but, but life isn't really like that, you know, it isn't black and white like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's good people, I think, out there. And I think you're one of them, sir. Um, that, that's, that's very true. And, you know, um, that's, that's the way Ronnie felt about people. And, you know, it, Neil Young actually wrote some songs and submitted them uh, for Ronnie uh, to look at. Um, and, and that would have been, you know, think about that collaboration. Uh, that would have been an amazing, you know, uh, when, when Sweet Home Alabama and, uh, you know, uh, Southern Man meet. Uh, but of course, Ronnie was killed. I talked to Neil Young one time about it. And uh, he was looking forward to, you know, working with Ronnie on a collaboration. But uh, Ronnie was killed, and and so you know that that didn't happen, of course. So um, it's it's amazing, you know. I think about it a lot. Uh, the collaboration between Steve Gaines and Ronnie that could have gone so much farther, and uh, the collaboration between Neil Young and Ronnie. Um, and I feel if had Ronnie lived, he would have collaborated with a lot of the country you know, uh, guys that are, you know, really good up there, the songwriters, because, you know, first Ronnie was definitely a songwriter and I, the collaborations that could have, could have been, would have been historic. Um, but we, you know, Ronnie left a, a, a pretty large legacy in spite of his, uh, short time on earth. Oh yeah. N- no doubt about it. I mean, the, 
anyone be hard pressed to 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 compete with with them. I mean, we'd be here all day. Ballad of Curtis Lowe and and Saturday Night Special. What's your name? That smell. You got that right. Give me back my bullets. It's just on and on and on. Um, considering it's the hard, yeah, for us to pick a set. Right. When we when we you know you got to do Sweet Home, you got to do Free Bird, and Simple Man, but you know the, all the other songs we can plug in different you know we can't do them all we'd like to but our contract usually calls for about an hour and 20 minutes and <laughs> not possible we, you know, it's not possible can, <laughs> yeah we we have to substitute different songs but no matter what song we plug in um it's got a fan that you know there there are people that know every single word so um all i can say is we certainly um appreciate and um i love uh, the fans of leonard skinner um because there's so many people out there that relate to the words that that ronnie wrote and uh you know the one song that i feel that i wrote with ronnie uh is that smell um, because Ronnie and I sat one night and he told me the words that he had and we were kind of talking about the music and I came up with the drum beat um, from the Eagles one of these nights that that's that's I did a variation on a theme oh no joke but I never realized that yeah it's called a lilting groove <laughs> and um, so I, I asked Ronnie I said you're familiar with uh, one of these nights and he goes yeah i said what about that as the groove behind um that smell and he he says you know i like it i remember him saying i, I like it i like that and so i just kind of did a, a variation on that and uh and used it so one of these nights by the eagles and 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 that uh and that smell uh, by us, the Leonard Skinner, um, they have, uh, you know, a similar groove. I didn't just copy it, but I, I told Ronnie, I said, I'm just going to do a, you know, kind of vary it a little bit, but that's the feel that I want. And Ronnie liked it. And the rest is history. Wow. I had no idea the connection between those songs. That's so great. But yeah, like you said, it's, these songs will live on forever. Um, and, I do feel like, I mean, particularly Freebird. Let's end. Let's end there. Let's land on Freebird because, considering the movie and everything, and it is the one like you say is played at funerals. And you know, if, if I leave here tomorrow, will you still remember me? It's sort of it's like eerily prescient. But like, do you think that the band's legacy and tied into that song too is sort of it's it's almost elevated, just like Buddy Holly or Patsy Cline or Richie Valens or I mean in sports Roberto Clemente, Kobe Bryant recently, like the people that are killed in these crashes, and it almost it almost allows the legacy of the band or even like a Kurt Cobain Nirvana he took his own life, but like in in death the songs almost take on a epic myth, mythic proportion that maybe not wasn't even there beforehand i mean talk about i mean do you think freebird sort of just grew and grew and grew and snowballed over the years because of the crash in a weird way um it i'm sure you know that's a, a point well taken because uh the crash definitely added to the 
um, the stigma of, of, but when I think of Freebird, I think uh, of an angel. Um, once you, you're released from the bonds of earth, um, you're, you're like an angel. And the words, if I leave here tomorrow, would you still remember me? And that's, that's how we remember all of our loved ones and uh, uh, people that we admire. Uh, we keep them alive by talking about them. So, you know, if I leave here tomorrow, will you still remember me? It's just saying, if you evoke my name, you know, it's, it's almost, and, and it's almost talking uh, about God. Uh, if you evoke my name, then, then you're, then that's a blessing for you. You're, you know, uh, you're remembering somebody. So by, when I play these songs with my band, uh, I'm sure everybody and a lot of people in the crowd, I know I am, I'm thinking about individuals, you know, Ronnie and Steve, Steve Gaines was an amazing person. His sister, Cassie, an amazing person. Um, you know, and over the years we've lost Leon and Billy and Alan. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I think about them. So Ronnie's words are very, um, you know, uh, strong about remembering people. And that's what the song is about to me. Um, so, and, and everybody has their own individual, uh, interpretation of the song. That's the beauty of music. You know, you can see it through different eyes. And you can hear it through different ears, and it means different things to different people. Uh, but I think the unified uh, belief is that, you know, Freebird is 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 everybody. And Ronnie said this in one of our documentaries. He said everybody wants to be free like a bird, and uh, and it's it's an amazing uh, legacy to be a part of. I, as I've said before, I'm very happy to be included. Wow. Well, we're very happy that you included us for over an hour. I'm going to let you run because I still can't believe we got to chat with you for so long and so in depth on such a man, heavy, heavy topic, probably tough memories for you, but so much joy. I'm so glad you've, like you said, you've, you've been sad for over 40 years and you've sort of found, sounds like at least you've, you've found a little perspective and, and joy and just trying to find the happy memories. Um, so thank you for joining us. And again, everyone check out the movie. It's called street survivors, the true story of the Leonard Skinner plane crash, um, which happened 44 years ago uh, today, October 20th, 1977. So um Thank you so much, Artemis. I really, really appreciate this. This was this was fantastic. Well, you're certainly welcome, Jason. And uh, as I say, you know, if you need to, any more information, uh, reach out. Um, I'm here. Come see us play sometime. Um, you'll, and, you know, you seem to have a knowledge of the music. If you come and see my band play sometime, I, uh, I think you'll uh, you'll you'll enjoy it. And uh, I appreciate you getting behind the movie, I just want to say that I gave my story to Hollywood. I did not sell it. It's a million dollar story. And I gave it to Hollywood. I didn't sell my story. I didn't do this for profit. Um, they, they sell the movie in Walmart. Uh, it's on net, Netflix and different formats that are out there. Um, and I don't receive a single dime uh, for, for the movie and my participation in it. 
Um, and I did that for a reason. I wanted the story told and I didn't want it to be about money. So, you know, I, I gave the story. I don't make a dime on this movie. So I'm not trying to sell the movie so I can make a bunch of money. I want people to see the movie and see that, you know, it's not for children. Um, there's nudity, there's drugs, and there's, you know, there's some fighting and everything. <clears throat> but that's the way it was. And we tried to be as accurate as we could with our budget and the fact that we were being sued the entire time. You know, it's it's almost like uh, I, I look at like a great painter is trying to paint, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Mona Lisa. And the whole time he's trying to paint, he's got a bunch of idiots throwing rocks at him and mud, you know, and trying to, you know, throwing cow poop, you know, <laughs> at the canvas. Uh, but but we got it done and uh, against all odds. And so um, I wanted to make sure that people realize that I'm not trying to make money um, on this. I just wanted the story told. Uh, therefore, I, I appreciate you and and your uh, station um, so much, you know, for for getting the movie out there. Because I'm looking at the movie and the soundtrack as a brand new product. Sure, you know it's 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 out there, um, and it's been out there for you know a year, uh, over a year since March before during COVID. So, you know. Uh, it's it's been out there and i appreciate you giving us a reboot on this um so you know for everybody out there that's listening that loves leonard skinner's music thank you so much for keeping us alive all these years well and you made it the painting analogy but freebird is pretty much the mona lisa of rock and roll my friend i mean maybe maybe stairway to heaven zeppelin but i mean other than that i mean that freebird is it it's the mona lisa so uh everyone check out the movie and thanks so much artemis i really appreciate it all right man well thank you so much jason Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.